This year, the Wellness Summit returns. 95% of the people you know out there want you to play it safe. They don't want you to jump over fire. You can get burned. They don't want you to live the life that you were born to live. You've got to remember that if you're cooking food, you want to love it. You don't want to be thinking, oh, I don't want to have to prepare another meal for my husband who doesn't appreciate it. I don't have to prepare another meal for my wife who just doesn't care. She just wants peanut butter on toast. Wake the heck up. You are where you're at right here, right now, because of all the choices you have made up to this point. Now, I didn't know what to do with being blown up. I didn't know what to do with that until the psychologist told me, you're going to have post-traumatic stress disorder, Karen. I went, okay, great. Now, at least I know what to do with that. Get ready, Melbourne. The summit is back. Well, other people are just walking through fire. I mean, look, look, look at it. And I'm on the phone going, yeah, and he's I mean, look, like this. And then he's lifted up his top and he's squeezing that, and I'm going, yeah, I can't even. When are we masking? There's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. All info and tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. Welcome to Homebase Hope, all about autism. The show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasehope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hi guys and welcome back. Today we're talking all about gut health. Now we have a very special guest with us today. We're talking to a passionate mother of a young boy on the spectrum. And in the early stages of her son's autism journey, she discovered that he had extremely poor gut health and this fueled her curiosity and set her on a mission. Today I'm super excited to be chatting to Kirsty Worth. Kirsty is the founder of Cultured Wellness, a company whose mission is to inspire and educate people to take control of their health by eating real food and fermented foods that nourish the brain and the gut. She is the brainchild behind Cultured Wellness Culture Starters and Functional Supplements. She has been called the gut guru, an intuitive healer, and her research and work in the area of gut health has been life-changing for many of her clients. Her experience in education and research of over 15 years continues to drive her purpose of empowering the community to gain knowledge and understanding so they can be well and thrive. She is a huge nature lover, a mother, a fervent advocate for children on the spectrum, and you just can't help be touched by her spirit and infectious enthusiasm. Welcome, Kirsty. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited to dive into all the millions of questions I've got for you today. <laughs> so my first one is though, I'd like to start um, with a bit of your journey because for you it's a personal story as to why you're so obsessed with gut health and, um, you know, it's not something that you chose to study at university or anything like that. So could you tell us a bit about your journey? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I come from a background of teaching and certainly was in outdoor education teaching and then um, teaching at university and academia and then went into PE teaching. So I've always been in teaching and educating, which is still my great 
and it's what I do all the time now. But, um, you know, my area of teaching was in outdoor education and nature and it certainly wasn't gut health. And it was only when um, I started having significant health issues myself. I was such an active person, but I would, um, you know, have real chronic pain and diarrhea and irritable bowel symptoms and memory loss and all sorts of horrible things. And it became normal to me. And it was so usual for me to put up with it. So I just didn't really think anything of it. And even when I was pregnant with my first child, Noah, um, didn't think anything of it. I had diarrhea sort of 13 times a day and just was extremely fatigued and tired. And I had no understanding that what was happening to me was going to be passed on to my beautiful boy and that it would impact his life, you know, literally for the rest of his life. So, um, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, helping people understand that because we, we don't know unless we come across this information, why would we know this? It's not part of our culture anymore to discuss it. So, yeah, so I um, w- was in that sort of state when I gave birth to Noah and Noah was doing pretty well. Um, he was very, he grew fine, but he was unsettled. He couldn't digest his food, you know, his milk. He constantly had diarrhea and bloated his stomach. He couldn't sleep. And, yeah, he just was not this dream baby I was expecting to pop out. You know, I was just hoping for this amazing experience. And, of course, it was. But, you know, it was just why is this such hard work? I want bliss. I don't want, you know, baby dramas. So we, you know, after – you know, Noah sort of grew, we, we found, okay, well, he, you know, can't digest food. We're going to have to put him on formula. And then he was in pain and we were given, you're going to have to give him um, what's called Losec, which is a, um, you know, a drug that stops the body from producing acid. Little do we know now that he had the reverse problem. He wasn't producing enough stomach acid. And, you know, we were given advice, give him Nurofen, you know, his body's inflamed, give him Panadol, give him antibiotics for his ear infections. And so, you know, I just did what I was told. And um, I was a new mum and so nervous. And it wasn't until um, we went to Fiji on a surf camp and he um, got Giardia. And I got it at the same time. And he was horrendously sick. And then after that, we went away on a camping trip and we both picked it up again. And then he broke his arm. And then he stopped making eye contact. And life really changed from around 15 months. He he really just stopped developing. He had lots of language at that point and his language started to regress. His his skin changed colour. He was very um, sort of gaunt. He just didn't have any energy and it wasn't until my husband who's a nurse said to me look you know our um our liver patients our gastro patients they have that kind of color they've got that distended stomach they have that real yellow horrible watery diarrhea you know I think something really you know sort of horrible is going on for him now at the same time we were um, undergoing speech pathology we were very concerned about his development and then at three and a half he um he was diagnosed with autism with a really um you know quite scary prognosis of sort of he's not going to be able to talk he won't reach sort of functional goals so marriage leaving home going to a you know traditional school and so the outlook for us was really really poor and um yeah, I think there was a couple of lines that we could have chosen at that point, and I think it was because 
of my experience with my own health and even at that point how I was feeling, um, I knew that there was more to it than having an autism diagnosis. I, I just I knew there was more. Now, that's fine and I was happy to accept his autism diagnosis. I didn't want to change him, but I could see a child in pain and I wanted to make him feel better. So, um, you know, we, we embarked on this just incredible journey of, you know, getting tests, finding the right specialist, understanding what was happening in his little body and and like, you know, we were saying, being curious and investigating what's going on here. I want more answers. And at that point I wanted more answers for myself. I wanted to be a better mum. I wanted to be able to nail that job of being a mum. I want to be the best I could be and I couldn't because I didn't feel well. I was in pain. I was exhausted. So we went on that sort of journey and we found he had some significant gut dysbiosis. He had some horrendous bugs. He had Clostridium difficile. He had um, chronic streptococcus, pneumonia, all sorts of things that were really laying dormant in his body and stressing his immune system, causing him to not digest any food. And effectively, his brain and his body was starving. So he just couldn't develop. So you know, we went on this, this pretty crazy course of understanding that and then setting about making those changes. So we um, embarked on joining a research project in Canada and we had all of us, my daughter, my son and I all had fecal microbial transplants to combat the clostridium difficile and the infections that we had. And it was life-changing. Like the FMT, the fecal microbial transplant, the next day he woke up and he, you know, he was speaking. He had so many words. Like I never, I didn't know all those words were in there. I mean, we'd had years of speech pathology and, and, you know, I'd ask him a question and he was responding to me. He was replying and we went out for a drive. What's that? Oh, that's a train. And what's that? Oh, that's the snow on the trees. It's like, oh my gosh, where did all these, this language come from? So, you know, from then on, we, 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 for parents who yeah. don't know what a FMT is or fecal microbial transplant, can you explain just a bit about that while we're just on the topic? Yeah, sure. So an FMT is basically um, you take the microbes from a healthy person. Now those microbes are what our whole body is made of. We're made up of about 90% microbial community and about 10% DNA. So it's, it's our whole body runs on these guys. And when you're unwell... You have very um, unhealthy pathogenic microbes. So the point of the FMT is grabbing the beautiful, healthy microbes from a donor and putting it inside yourself. So um, you know you don't, you know, nothing's cut open. It's not some big dramatic surgery. We find those microbes in someone's stool. Most of our microbes pass out through our stool. So you use that stool. Obviously, it's processed and, and it's all changed. And then you pop that inside your gut microbiome and it crowds out all the pathogenic microbes and it makes that great change of the good bugs in your gut versus the pathogenic ones. Um, so we always laugh we've, we've got Canadian guts now because we had it back in Canada. So, um, but we, it, we still crave Australian food, so it's fine. <laughs> and you were saying within a day, was it, that he started talking and you started seeing different signs? Significant changes. Wow. Massive. Now, we had a transplant each day for five days while we were there, multiple, multiple transplants, and we had them from the mouth down and we had them placed into the colon. So 
as the days went on and as more microbes went into um, all of us, we could digest more food. And we had this amazing sort of factory starting to work. Okay, now we're going to produce brain chemicals. Now we're going to produce some immune cells. Now we're going to start to produce neurotransmitters to make us feel joyous and digest our food and get some B vitamins. So it was quite a stark change from the start of the week to the end of the week. It was um, it was fascinating for all of us, the scientists and the project that we were on. This is you know they were stoked because it's um, was such a great experience and a lot to learn from and. We've continued to have more since we've come back to Australia. And, um, yeah, I can really see the importance of if your gut doesn't work properly, literally every system and every function in your body should be. Mm, And so after that, when you have to see – sorry, you go. No, I just think it's incredible too that this isn't mainstream, like – we don't know about this until we go out and search for it. You know, parents have to go hunt this information out. It's not handed out at a pediatrician appointment once you get the diagnosis. You're given the therapies, which are fabulous, but I really think we need that whole child approach and we need to be looking deeper and what's actually going on in the brain and the body. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, yeah. how, how, did you come, how did you come about to arrive at looking at gut health? How did you get to that point? Because... It sounded like you were taking the traditional approach. Um, you were doing speech pathology. But what led you? Was it? Did you Google it? I know most parents go home and they Google frantically. You know, how did you come across yeah. it? Uh, it's a huge rabbit warren. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I sort of started looking at my own health and, okay, well, when I eat gluten, I feel terrible the next day. And I was gluten-free and dairy-free at that point anyway. I'd been like that for quite some time because I knew it really upset me. And so, you know, you go in and you read about the gluten-dairy-free and then you go on to the next thing and then you go on to the next thing. And and I was, um, I was at Monash University at that time um, teaching and doing my PhD. So I had access to a lot of research through Monash and so I would go in and read all of the, the research papers and all of the journal articles and all the books and delved, delved right into sort of the nitty-gritty of it and contact a lot of researchers um, and ask them, look, you know, what's going on here? Where can I get the test done? What can I do? And I think because I was in that research world at that particular time doing my PhD, um, it might, that's just how my brain works. Let's just go find the information. Let's just keep reading, keep understanding it. And I always joke, you should have seen my study at the time. I had this massive butcher's paper all over the wall with these big pen, you know, the pencils. Um, you know, if this does this, then it's going to cause this. And what's this micro doing to this? And and my brain works like that. So I kind of just went on this big exploratory journey of, um, you know, of course, as mums do at 11, 12 o'clock at night when, you know, the, everything's peaceful and quiet. Um, yeah, just piecing it all together. So it, it, um, I, I think it's just it's sort of my skill set and how I think. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And then, of course, you meet people and you, you get into this kind of world and you read more and understand more but I I feel I feel quite sad for families where parents have different skill sets and so I was fortunate that that was my skill set but 
you know, mums who are incredible at doing, you know, other roles, they, they won't have that research knowledge like I did and they won't have access to the research that I did. And so where does that leave them and where does that leave their kids? And that is what is so important for me with um, why Culture Wellness started is I want to bring that research to families served up in a way that we can understand it and we can actually implement it on a daily basis easily into our lives as opposed to this big highbrow kind of, you know, research and, and not really being able to unpack it and understand that language. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it went on for years. Wow. <laughs> years, and, years. And you do, you provide it in such practical terms and it's easy to understand and anyone can, um, yeah, start implementing change today. Um, mm. What I want to know, though, is how did you know, what are the signs of gut dysfunction? You know, how do parents know if their kids' guts aren't right? Yeah, funny question that I always answer that if anything's going on with your kid, it's their gut because the gut is the, it is the home and the basis of pretty much every function in the body. So if your child has anxiety, then they're going to have a gut problem and it's possibly parasites. If your child has distension, you know, if they've got um, rashes, if they've got eczema, if they're stuttering, if they can't sleep, if they're finding um, resilience really hard, if their handwriting's poor, all of these things are linked back to the gut. Handwriting, dyslexia, all of those things are now beautifully linked to a lack of B6. If you can't digest your protein, you're not going to assimilate B6 and then you're not going to be able to really help that child to combat any of those issues if they can't maintain their nutrients. So um, pretty much from top to tail, if there's something going on, it's going to be linked to the gut. And so for me, first port of call is get a test. Get your gut tested and understand what you're dealing with. It, it, if I knew that from the start, I would have shaved five years off of our journey of getting to where we are today. Okay, so how do parents go about getting a test and what kind of test is it? Yeah, so it's a stool test. Um, so we use a company called BiScreen and they're amazing at culturing the stool and finding out who lives in there and who's not living in there. So who's causing the problem? So the BiScreen test, you can um, either get it done through cultured wellness with our naturopaths that we have on our team or um, a functional doctor or an integrative doctor um, who specialises in the gut will also be able to organise those tests for you. And so when you sit down and see these tests, like when we saw it for the first time, to see the fact, oh, my gosh, we've got Clostridium difficile, that's a really hardcore infection that we've got in our gut and we need to change that. And then suddenly you have a path, you have a plan of attack of what to do. And as you would know as a child, you know, as a mum or a family dealing with a child on the spectrum, you never know what you're facing one day. It's meltdowns and it's, you know, hyper behaviour, jumping off of, you know, trees and all sorts of stuff. You don't have a plan of attack. You are surviving each day. You wake up and you're freaking out, how am I going to get through today? What's it going to be like? What am I going to deal with? When you know the infections and you know what you're dealing with, you have a plan forward and you know how to get your darling child back to baseline. 
and you know what how to modulate that. So using, you know, lots of tools like when we work with our families, we have such an um, in-depth program about, okay, if they're having a meltdown, it's probably because they're toxic because their little bugs are playing up. So let's use some detox tools to bring that down and settle them. And suddenly – the fear and the anxieties and that, uh, un, you know, the stress of not knowing how to help your own child, and suddenly it's not there and you've got tools and, and you're on. So it's, it's so empowering, so empowering. What would be some of those tools? Can you give us any examples? So if a child is having a meltdown or anxiety, what, what are some of the tools that you recommend? Yeah, so I'll go right through from the start. So if your child has blasto or blastocystis, which is a parasite, or dientamoeba fragilis, which is a parasite. Now, these are very common for children on the spectrum to have. Those parasites release ammonia as their byproduct of um, surviving in the gut. That ammonia gets detoxed out through our kidneys. Now, when our kidneys are under stress, we get very anxious and it gets really out of whack. And so if we've got a child that has big black eyes, lots of anxiety, really, really um, frail, not, you know, digesting their food, then we know that they're going to be quite toxic with ammonia. So when that anxiety hits, when that meltdown hits, we use activated charcoal, which they use in emergency rooms, and it binds to the ammonia and pulls it out of the body because the ammonia hits the brain. It goes through the blood-brain barrier and hits what we call the basal ganglia area in our brain, which is movement, socialization, language. So if that ammonia is getting in there, it's going to disrupt all of those things is what we see with kids on the spectrum, the stimming, the lack of language, the lack of socialization. So if you absorb the ammonia and you absorb those toxins and push it out of the body, then their brain can start to manage and they don't feel so overwhelmed. And so um, what I, you know, what we see is toxic, but what families see is anxiety, meltdowns. So it's, you have to kind of reframe how you see it. So we see it as, well, the parasites have flared up. We better help our child get rid of the toxins and filter them out of the body. So we use um, bentonite clay, we use charcoal, um, sunshine, exercise, all those sorts of things, but the charcoal is the big gun. It's, it's, it's like a, it's, I never use the word magic pill, so I was almost going to say it then, but it's, um, it's pretty phenomenal, pretty phenomenal. Right. And I think it's so true what you said, like behavior is the tip of the iceberg. That's what we see. That's what's visible to the eye. We've got to dig deep beneath under the surface and find out what's going on. What's the root cause? What's causing this anxiety? What's causing the meltdown? Um, yeah. So. so if you've got a child that eats white food to their heart's content, so we're talking rice cakes and we're talking pasta and biscuits and all that kind of stuff, pretty good indication that they've got a candida imbalance. Now, we don't mind candida in the body. That's fine. But when it's out of control, like we were talking about with the parasites releasing that ammonia, candida releases an alcohol substance into the bloodstream as its byproduct. Now, if you think about the last time you went out and had a massive night, how was your behavior the next day? (laughs) I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have wanted to work at school. If anyone asked you to do jobs or if anyone asked you to do anything, your resilience would be about that small. Your liver 
would be trying to pump out all that extra, um, you know, um, alcohol. So you'd be fatigued. You wouldn't want to get up in the morning really cranky. And that's what's happening for our kids. They've got these toxins pumping through their body that affect the different organs and then they have some pretty significant behaviours. And that was when, when we first started working with Noah and myself, Noah couldn't talk. And so I did everything at the same time as him so I could understand how he felt. So whenever we work with families on the program, it, we only accept them if the mums and the dads are going to jump on the journey as well because how do you know how crap your child feels and how they just need to sleep and rest and how they need time out? Um, how do you know that if they can't express it or, um, you know, if you don't truly get that feeling of what it's like? So, um, And you start to see your kids in a very different way. You start to see them as, oh, these poor dudes are putting up with such a big day and it's so hard for them to deal with it. How can we best support them and so they can get through? Mm. Yeah, that's right. And I think their bodies are doing the best they can with the resources that they have. Yeah. Like yeah. It's very resilient, so it's, it's trying to get that level of homeostasis and, yeah, do yeah. its job. But let's. What, what are things that damage the gut? So if we're looking in terms of practical, everyday things, what are things that are damaging kids' guts? Yeah. So we all know pretty much now it's out there that antibiotic use is really damaging to the gut microbiome. So antibiotics are designed to kill off microbes and we are made of microbes. So they're going to not, they're not going to, you know, be selective. They're going to kill off our beneficial ones and our pathogenic ones. So I, it's very important to not be quick fire with antibiotics because most of the time we can ride through something. Um, our stress levels can, can I just absolutely. Jump on that antibiotic um, for a minute. If parents do feel they have to give antibiotics for a certain reason, um, do you recommend taking probiotics at the same time? What do you recommend for for kids who have to take it for a particular reason? Yeah, so if kids are taking it for a particular reason, fermented foods and bone broths and um, sometimes specific probiotics, but once again, um, and we might delve into this in a little bit, um, not all probiotics are created equal and some can be can flare up kids on the spectrum and can actually make their behaviours or make them feel worse because um, they have some probiotics have histamines in them, some form lactic acids, and they can actually really stress them out. So once again, go back to getting that test. So if you do have to have antibiotics, you've got your information there so you can know exactly which antibiotics you, you particularly need because it's like, throwing a tic-tac into the ocean, having an antibiotic. And it, it, it most of the time it's just you have no idea. And so you've really got to understand what you're dealing with. And, um, yes, but, yes, probiotics can work, but um, fermented foods and, you know, changing the diet can really help as well. Great. Yeah. So we were talking about what sort of damages the gut. So the antibiotics is one. Stress is a massive one. Now, we know kids on the spectrum, they're not as resilient and they drain their B vitamins within about 30 seconds. They wake up in the morning and it's like their B vitamins are drained. And so they don't have that resilience that they need. And so when we're stressed, it makes matters a lot worse. So um, we need to really 
make sure our kids are not put in environments and stressful situations and constantly stimulated by screens or doing this or that. So that's another big one. Um, and, of course, coming back to the food we eat, we can, we can make or break our microbiome in about three days from what we eat. It's that quick. It can change. And so, you know, grains, processed foods, sugar, lots of carbohydrates, even for kids on the spectrum, sometimes just fruit is enough sugar to cause an imbalance in the microbiome. So um, it's really, really important to watch that diet because it, it can change it so significantly. And then the water we drink plays a huge part in our microbiome. It's mostly full of chlorine. And so if we're drinking chlorine, it's designed to kill off microbes, which we're made of. So that can cause an issue as well. Mm. Our lifestyle... We're constant, if we're not, if we're eating, you know, meats and proteins that have got antibiotics in them, if we're using antibacterial sprays, kind of the list goes on, unfortunately, of what can destroy, pretty much modern life destroys the gut microbiome. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, our world has changed so much in the last, you know, 50, 60 years in terms of the food we eat. Just the stress in our day-to-day life, just getting out the door in the morning is a stressful event. Um, everything, I mean, the, the toxins, the pollution, everything. So it is hard. But what I think is really important is that um, you're coming from such a model of empowerment because you're saying you can make a difference. You know, there are these things, there are certain things we can't change in the environment, um, but there's a lot of things we actually have control over. So and one of those things is obviously what we put into our mouth. Um, mm. So, so. You did say grains um, were one thing is that we shouldn't possibly be eating. Is that is that sort of across the board for all kids? Because obviously we're dealing with a lot of fussy eaters and it can be hard to get them to even eat a banana, let alone, um, you know, stopping them from eating their chicken nuggets and their rice and their pasta and all the sorts of foods that they love. How do you deal with the fussy eaters and, and how do we try and change the diet to something um, that's more beneficial for their gut bugs yeah all right so i have a special term for this it's called a bug war and basically what happens if you have pathogenic bugs in your gut which is pretty much all of these kids all of our kids if they've got those parasites if they've got infections those bugs are going to request very specific foods So they're going to want sugar and they're going to want carbohydrates. They have this amazing intelligence, these bugs, of sending messages through what we call our vagus vein. It goes from our gut to our brain. And they send these amazing messages and eat this food, eat, you know, the sugary food, eat the, um, you know, the carbohydrates and eat the crackers. So there's no way you can change your child's patterns of what they want to eat unless you address who's living within them. And so when we work with families, the only way we can get them get these, our kids to change what they want is basically to understand and crowd out those pathogens. So my son Noah was, you know, he was a classic, just give me Vegemite on a rice cracker and that is all I'll eat for the whole day and then 10 bananas in the afternoon. You know, like just it's just classic, typical. And we have basically had to stop that food and, you know, really bunker down and not feed those gut infections or those um, pathogens. And eventually when they die off, it's, it is actually quite miraculous. Your kids start, oh, can I have some broccoli? 
okay, can I have some fermented foods? Can I have this and can I have that? And it, we see all of our kids completely change over because you stop the bug war. You stop feeding the bugs what they survive off and what they live on. And I even see it now if my kids um, have something, you know, if they, you know, whatever, if they go to a party or whatever and they have a bit too much sugar or um, now when I say that I might mean a date or some fruit, um, if even with that, sometimes that can cause enough of an imbalance and I start seeing like, oh, can I have a bit of this now? Can I have a bit of that now? And it can change within a couple of days. And then we have to, you know, we go back to nourishing the gut, crowding out those um, different pathogens, and then we start to crave the food that is going to nourish the beneficial microbes, which is vegetable fibres and meat fibres and bone broth and fermented food. So um, I suppose what I'm, yeah, really what I'm trying to say is you will not change a fussy eater there's no point in even trying if you're not going to address those gut bugs and enter a bug war. <laughs> Can I ask, did you, did you, when you came across all this information and you, you started on the gut health journey, did you just raid your pantry and your fridge and throw everything out? Was it a slow process? No, because- no. Wait for it. Yeah. All right. So just- oh, sorry. I should say that we, we were gluten and dairy free from okay. from a long time. So we we made that first step. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because okay. it can be hard. And did he stop eating at all? Did he go through any food refusal because you're not giving him what he wants? Mm. Yeah. For days. For days. And um, it happens to pretty much all of our families on our programs that the kids just refuse to eat. And it's really hairy and it's quite scary. And that's why I really encourage families to work with someone, um, you know, like working with us at Culture Wellness where you've got someone right there with you. You know, it's okay. It's going to be fine and helping you and supporting you to know what to do in those steps. Um, but, yeah, they do. They completely refuse. They have bananas. They carry on. They go – well, not literally bananas, but they go crazy. And and, um, and they pop out the other side. And then you, you just can't believe it. And then they say, oh, can I have some broth with some vegetables, please? I'm really hungry. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. Um, what? So what are the foods that we need to – replenish or what do we need to get back into the diet to help restore um, a healthy um, environment for the gut bugs? Yeah, so the big one, and like we've said it already a couple of times, is bone broth. It's absolute 101. It's got all the amino acids in it, it lines the gut, and it feeds our ancestral strains, which is our bacteroidal strains. So that's an absolute 101. Now, if your child won't drink it, you can get powdered bone broth, which is quite crunchy and quite salty, Lots of kids will just even have that off the spoon or you can sprinkle it on some of their food. So there's other ways of getting it in. With Noah, we literally got these massive horse syringes from my husband's hospital, <laughs> like 120 mils. And every morning I'd just pull up the syringe and while he was watching TV, he'd just, you know, straight in. And so for probably the first couple of months, everything went in via a syringe and we just have to distract him. We, we had to even sort of, you know, hold him down a couple of times. We just, yeah, just had to get it in. And then we, you go to a straw, make it all fun and exciting, and then they start to drink it and you obviously cook, wasn't it? So the bone broth's a big one. Vegetables are 
vital for growing the gut microbiome. Now, I know that sounds really, um, oh, my gosh, everyone should know that, but kids um, like my son, they don't eat vegetables. But So I, it, it is not a silly concept to say, please get your kids to eat vegetables. So that's a really big one. And the other one is the fermented foods. But most kids are going to be pretty sensitive to it. And so you've got to start so small and you've got to pick the right fermented food. So and that's why I developed my cultures because I wasn't happy with the strains and what was out there for, you know, mums like myself in the position that I was in where you just couldn't trust that these certain probiotics weren't going to make matters worse. So um, starting out with um, controlled ferments with the specific cultures and really small. Can you tell us a little bit about your cultures, what you've got? Yeah, so the cultures, um, like we were saying before, I wanted to be able to make fermented foods because everywhere I read it was, oh, fermented foods, fermented foods. And every time we tried to eat them, I just felt sick, bloated. You know, Noah would just have horrible meltdowns. And I couldn't understand. I just couldn't get it. Isn't this supposed to be like the nectar of the gods, the healing foods, all that kind of stuff? So um, when I looked into it more, it was those specific strains. So what I did was I um, worked with a lab overseas that had strains that had no fillers in them, no extra stuff in there, and I put together a nine-strain formula, and now we make these cultures from coconut yogurt and coconut kiffer, so they're made in a food base, so you can then take that starter and you can make your own at home, so your own yogurts and your own kiffers with those specific strains for rebuilding the gut. So um, they're they're pretty powerful. They're pretty they're very exciting. I, I never thought that I would have a business that sells cultures. It was you know a friend wanted it and then another friend wanted it and you just thought oh here give this a try and then off you go. So yeah oh, yeah, it's been amazing what you've been able to do like this whole journey of yours. Um, I mean. I suppose for some parents, you know, they'll be thinking, you know, yoga, I can, I can get that down the street, you know, um, what, you know, and there's probiotics, you know, in, in these yogurts down the street or they'll be labelled with certain types of probiotics. Can you tell us what is so superior about your, um, your, your cultures and why it's better than the average yoghurt down the street? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So if you measured the CFU, which is the colony forming units, and that's how we measure how much probiotic or good, um, you know, of those colony forming units are in there, how much of that is in a yogurt in a shop, it would probably be sort of one million. So that's how much probiotics is in there. So when I eat it, how much is it going to impact? Now, if you, um, when we have our cultures lab tested, um, the yogurt has um, 41 billion CFU. So we're going from like 1 million to 41 billion. So it's just, you're just playing in different sort of playgrounds really. And then the actual strains are very important. So in a yogurt down the street, like a um, coconut yogurt that you get, they use a culture called Streptococcus thermiasis to make it and to ferment it. Now, unfortunately, there's very, very, very clear evidence that a lot of children on the spectrum have a Streptococcus overgrowth, and it's one of the major, major, um, you know, small intestinal overgrowths that we see. 
And so if you have that streptococcus thermiasis in that yogurt, you're actually making the infection or the overgrowth in your gut 100% worse. You're propelling it as opposed to what you want to do is normally, you know, crowd it out. So, um, you know, the yo- our yogurt and our cultures don't have some of those strains that can propel some of those overgrowth. So, and yeah, so I see them as medicine um, more than sort of fermented foods because how strong they are and how particular they are. So it just takes the, the, the stress out of like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And is this right? And is this not? And all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. And we, we have them in our family too and we love them. Um, yeah. What about what about parents who are thinking of maybe sauerkraut as like a fermented food? Would that be appropriate? Yeah. So sauerkraut would be great, starting really really slow, um, and a, a lot of um, kids can't digest the sauerkraut. So even pureeing it can really help. And then you can use our cultures to make your own sauerkraut. Um, so you've got all of those good bacteria in there as well. Oh, excellent. Awesome. Um, Alrighty. What about what about some practical stuff in terms of socially? So obviously, um, when you embark on this new dietary uh, adventure, you know you're cutting out a lot of things that kids would typically eat. So in the lunchbox, it's going to look a lot different to other kids. Um, you know, at birthday parties, as you mentioned, um, it, it can be very difficult for kids to if, if they're old enough to and they've been eating, they've got certain eating patterns already ingrained. It can be very hard to make a change. Um, how do you, how did you tackle that? How do you go out to birthday parties and still survive and not be outcast or um, excluded? How, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. The first thing is looking at the reason why you're at the party. So, um, if you're at the party for the food, <laughs> there's a big problem there. So, um, talking to your children about the fact you're going to the party is because you want to be with your friends and you want to share time and you want to play. It's not actually about the food itself. So um, conversations around that is very important. Um, Once again, we go back to that bug war. When your children are in balance, they don't crave the cakes and the sugars and the lollies and all that kind of stuff. So when my kids go to a party, they're just not interested in the food. So I don't have to run around after them and watch what they're eating and be careful and all those sorts of things um, because I will bring food with me. And they'll just be happy with that. And there's the other sort of thing that if you – I sort of fell in the tra- into the trap at the start of trying to make sort of um, foods that kind of were like the foods that, you know, were there. I'll make a cake that's kind of like the cake and I'll make, you know, a pretend sausage roll or I'll make a pretend this or that. The, real, the realistic picture is your kids are going to eat like this forever. They're going to have to change the way they eat because they're beautiful, sensitive souls, and that's who they are. And so, creating this world of replacing and trying to um, trying to keep up and be like the other foods, you end up getting yourself into trouble because you just can't keep that up. So, you really do have to completely reframe as a family how you see food, what you eat, and see it as a, as a joy that you feel well and that you're functioning really well as opposed to, oh, I can't eat this food and we can't go to this party and, um, you know, and, and there'll always be a time where your child will eat something. Their stomach will be massive. They'll be cranky. They'll have diarrhea and that, that's that's the ultimate time to jump in there and you didn't feel like that when you were eating those other foods. So let's have a chat about 
what you know, what were you feeling like before? And now you went to the party and you're eating like this. And how do you feel? And you're tired and you can't go and play with your other friends. And um, but I think I think the real message behind that is you have to create your own new normal, and it can't be like you were trying to live before. So it's um, and yeah, I've had to really work that out from experience and from working with other families that it's a it's a big step towards making it this awesome lifestyle. And I think what you said too is so important that the whole family has to change. You can't just expect one child to change um, because you're focusing on that. I think the whole, you know, everything, the um, how you eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, what's kept in the pantry, in the fridge, everything just has to have a big overhaul. Um, yeah, if absolutely. And, and when you think about why are we changing this diet, you know, why are we really doing this? We want our kids to thrive. We want them to have beautiful, you know, active brains, active bodies. We want them to feel, feel calm and settled. Now, there's no point in putting one child on that and the other one not because you're not giving the other one all those beautiful things that changing the diet would would happen for them. So, um, yeah, I kind of see it as unfair if you don't have the whole family on it because not everyone will be feeling really, really on top of it and feeling good. Mm, absolutely. Could you give us an example of what breakfast, lunch, and dinner looks like at your place? Ah, so for the, the kids or for me? Yeah, for the kids. Let's go with the kids. Is it for different to what you eat? Uh, um, I do a lot of fasting, so I don't eat until about 3 or 4 o'clock. Um, so it's a little wow. bit different for me, yeah. Um, but the kids... Uh, we have eggs in the morning. We'll make um, some, you know, pancakes with different, you know, so we use tapioca flour and have eggs and tapioca flour and we use a lot of good quality fat. So we eat what's called a ketogenic diet. So it's probably not, you know, we can't delve into that today, but it's basically, um, you know, sort of moderate protein and then quite low carbohydrate and beautiful quality fats. So that, um, you know, we'll have vegetables and eggs for breakfast we might have soup for breakfast now I know that sounds a bit weird to some people but you end up getting their leftovers from the night before and then lunches um, anywhere you know a form of protein and lots of vegetables and some form of ferments now how we present that's all you know can be quite different we can have frittatas or um, we can make little mini pizzas with all those different um, things on the top we can have you know sausages and ferments and um, broccoli so there's lots and lots of things that you can do and the cool thing about eating this way is you can make big pots of stews and soups and curries and they're always there's always leftovers it does, you shouldn't have to be cooking all the time it, it actually I don't think I feel like I don't cook as much now than when I used to um, yeah so it's, it's just more about finding that beautiful type of protein and those vegetables and then how how you want to present it really is um, all the different things yeah amazing oh, I love it I love it um, I'm just mindful of time I could chat to you all day but I think we might head to have five rapid fire questions yeah I have to go in about 10 minutes yeah so that's the timing yeah awesome okay so number one what is one habit that our listeners can implement do to implement today so the one habit would be um, I'd love you to make bone broth every single day and start that with your children so very simple start awesome what do people never ask you that you wish they did? I wish they asked um, 
how long is the journey and how much do I have to commit? And because a lot of people think it's a quick fix and a lot of people think it's easy and um, I'd love to talk to people more about it is a commitment and you do have to change your life and make awesome new friends and you get a new tribe and a new community around you and that takes a bit of time but it's going to be fine. So, yeah, I think that's not a discussion that happens very often. We're still in that everything happens in seconds, fast-paced life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What is one book that you would recommend that all parents read? Wow, this is a tricky one, hey? So there's so many books out there that I would, um, oh, my goodness. So the, the Gut book by Gillian Anders is a wonderful beginner's book. I would um, highly recommend the um, Gaps book, the Gut and Psychology Syndrome book by Natasha McBride. Sorry, I just said two. Um, <laughs> but they're good, they're good starting points. Excellent, great. Um, what is one of your top unfinished bucket list items? So in, in what context? Because I love climbing mountains, so yeah, I talk all day. It can be business, it can be family, whatever, whatever's on your bucket list at the moment. So one thing that I would love to do is provide a space where families can bring their kids and when they go through those hairy three to five days that we were talking about of crossing over from eating old foods to new foods, I would love parents to be able to drop their kids off, go off and have a cuppa and someone else sorts it out because it's really full on and families shouldn't have to go through that. And I would love to provide a space where that happens in a safe environment for everyone. So that's one of my bucket lists. I definitely hope that comes to fruition, Kirsty, because that would be amazing for so many parents out there. Yeah, yeah. Parents shouldn't be um, therapists, mum, chef, um, OT, you know, psych. They shouldn't have to do that. They should be able to have their children getting that quality care. So that's one thing that I would like to do. Um, Our new cookbook just came out, so that was on the unfinished bucket list and it just came out last week, but it's, it's still on there because I want it to be completely out, everyone to have it. Um, so the that's, name of your uh, book? So, sorry? Can you tell us the name of your book? Uh, it's called Gutalicious. Uh, it looks amazing. All the graphics and the photos look beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's all about beautiful food that's fermented and, you know, really helps the gut. So, and the other one is that um, my unfinished bucket list that will go on for the rest of my life is always taking my kids out into nature, more hikes, more rock climbing, more sort of time sharing with each other. So I hope that's always unfinished because that means we have to do it all the time. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I think reconnecting with nature is super important in today's busy, fast-paced world. Yeah. yeah. And number five, last one, if you could only offer one piece of advice to parents, what would it be? Okay. So test, 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 get the test. So don't accept that there's not more underlying root cause problems going on. So be inquisitive, be curious, find the person that will help you find those tests and get those tests and empower yourself to drive this and be be the best advocate for your child so they can feel well again. It's not about 
changing you know their diagnosis it's not about stopping them from being the unique kids that they are that's not what I'm talking about make them feel get them to be feeling well and achieving what they want to do so that's my biggest advice is do not accept anything just keep driving forward and if that freaks you out find someone that will be that advocate and drive for you. So, you know, like working with cultural wellness or your doctor or whoever it is, but find that person that will just never stop and keep going because they deserve it. So that would be my greatest advice. I I just got goosebumps listening to you. It was such an empowering little speech there, Kirsty. Lovely. Um, So how can our listeners find out more about you and get their hands on your delicious cultures? Yeah, so we're at culturedwellness.com. Now that's with a K, so culturedwellness.com. And you can jump on there. You can find out about our websites. You can, sorry, about our cultures. You can find out about our consulting, our online programs. Obviously, the programs of my greatest passion for helping families. So if that's something that you need help with, make sure that you reach out. And I, I try to be as active as I can on the Facebook page with new research and tools and tips. So make just keeping up with that too. And, and the Instagram's fun, silly photos of me and my family doing all of our crazy things that we do. So but the Facebook's where I put up a lot of the research and a lot of those tips. So, yeah, just sort of, you know, get involved and you'll find you'll find people on the same journey and you'll, you'll be able to, you know, be empowered through that as well. Mm, absolutely well thank you so much you are an absolute powerhouse I've been following you for ages now and um it's just so great to connect you I I think your journey is absolutely amazing from you know what sort of started this all which was um yeah just your curiosity in gut health and and with Noah so um thank you for providing such wonderful resources to the autism community and something that we can all use um, and your knowledge is just amazing, like how much you've learnt over the course of how many years, you know. Um, <laughs> My brain hurts a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much and um, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Kirsty. Bye. I hope that today's show has resonated with you in some way and I hope that you have been inspired to take action and make positive change from home base. If there is someone you know who would benefit from this podcast, please share it. And I would love for you to join our Home Base Hope community. You can do this by subscribing to this podcast. All you have to do is head on over to iTunes and hit the subscribe button and every fortnight you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. If you do like this show, please jump on iTunes and leave a five-star review so more people can discover us and so we can inspire positive change in more people living on the spectrum. If you do leave a five-star review, please take a screenshot and send it to info at homebasehope.com.au with the subject line free ebook and I will send you a copy of our awesome ebook Understanding Behaviours. In this book, I show you how to manage challenging behaviors at school, at home, and in therapy. I talk about the differences between tantrums, meltdowns, and button pushing. And I also arm you with practical strategies you can start using today. You can access all of the show notes and other episodes at homebasehope.com.au. So until next time, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences, and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. 
See you soon, guys. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. The only lesson is ever going to be your learning. That's it. As long as you're learning, that's your lesson. When you stand in front of the mirror, the talk, the things that go on between these ears in the morning can also be what sets you up for a day. And if you've beaten yourself up for not being the most extraordinary person that you can be, then start now. We make it hard for ourselves. We make things difficult for ourselves because we go and apply a whole bunch of stories and a whole bunch of drama and a whole bunch of I'm not good enough to the things that occur in our lives. Wake the heck up. Today is a new day. And here's where it can change. Kim Morrison and Karen Smith feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.